Patricia Wing, or Trish, as she's known to her friends, is the founder of Suli Hub, a legal tech startup for business founders navigating the hurdles of setting up their first business. Having started her career in the city at only 18, she qualified as a solicitor in the UK, only to discover that her true passion lied elsewhere. In this episode, we talk about the pivotal moments that shaped her career, from founding a youth football club in South East London, through to supporting the startup ecosystem in the UK, she has always been driven by an authentic desire to help others and provide access where it wasn't available before. Trish is no stranger to hard work and long hours, but when the going gets tough, she has a rather unexpected tip on how to shake the stress off. My favorite thing in the entire world is feel the fear and do it anyway, because we all, we all feel fear. We all go through this motion of, you know, can I do this? Am I worthy? You know, imposter syndrome. Every single person on the planet has this feeling in some way, shape or form, but you have to feel that fear and like let it run through you and then just do it anyway. Because if you don't, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Patricia Wing, but also known as Trish to her friends. Welcome. Very, very happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I go I go by Trish um, for people who know and like me. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, I was hoping that you could do a little introduction for our listeners because um, they know that the topic of this episode is going to be about, again, starting up a business and this time from a legal background, legal perspective. But I think it's interesting because this season we're talking about non-linear careers and you've had an experience with the more traditional sort of role and you qualified as a solicitor and then here you are now starting something completely different so do you want to tell us about that absolutely yeah, i'd love to thank you again for having me on the show i i see i started my whole career really differently to be honest with you when i was um 18 years old i knew i wanted to be a lawyer i didn't know how i could become a lawyer because i you know i didn't go to um top school top high school so i knew that i had to go through the industry a bit differently so what I actually did is I started law school back back and while I was doing that I applied for this graduate role at a firm called LGBR Capital and I applied tried my best I didn't realize I got through to the third round of the interviews and and the partner said to me I said tell me more about your degree I said oh what do you mean I'm I'm doing my degree right now in the evenings he said oh I thought you had a degree I I said no it's actually pending so I managed to get this graduate role and an investment boutique firm at the age of 18 started started my life in a very intense environment on Cannon Street in London Mm -hmm. um, and worked from from 8am to 5pm university from 6 to 9 what that taught me is that I knew that I am both full-time I knew that if I put my mind to something I could achieve a lot Um, and so that then started my entire career and so from working in this firm around, you know, all very intense sales people, you know, Wolf Wall Street, 100 calls a day, calling investors, trying to raise money for funds, up and surround the environment and mm-hmm. led me on to then um, actually securing a training contract. And that set up my whole career. While I was mm-hmm. working um, in-house, I always had this feeling. I was meeting startups. I was speaking to them and I wanted to help them and I was trying to see if we could help them. But there was this mismatch between the people that we could help and people that I wanted to help because people that I wanted to help couldn't afford fees. And so I, I just knew I had to go out there and, and kind of do my own thing. And I've always felt like 
my my superpower is people. I, I thrive around people. I'm I'm the crazy lady who charges her batteries around people <laughs> rather than at home. So when I'm, I haven't been around people, I, I feel like <laughs> drained. And when I'm around people, I feel fully charged. And so I knew that, you know, for my future, it had to be involved in helping people in some way, shape or form. Um, and I also actually forgot to mention... Um, when I first started my um, the firm, the investment boutique firm, I also started a football club. Um, yes, and- I saw about that. I was actually going to ask you, how did that happen? Yeah, I always forget about that. Um, I actually used to keep it a secret um, because I was embarrassed while I was working that I was running the company. Why? It's crazy. I thought that people would judge me for running the company while working. Um, hmm. and- Wait, so the club was a company or what, what was your role? What does it mean to start a club? So what I, was it? What was the club? So um, it is is a limited liability company, but what it mm-hmm. is is an organisation that um, takes young kids and helps them play football. And so we would train them, take them to matches. There's a, there's a massive football culture um, for kids ages three to um, sixteen plus, um, and we had over 20, we have over twenty two teams now. Um, and all this would be was kids Saturday, Sunday, midweek, Wednesday, Thursday would come and play football with their friends. And it would take those kids off the street. It was a, it's a club called London Legends FC. You know, I started this when I was 18, um, 19 years old. And when I first started it, we had no teams. And now it's over 22. Um, and we have adult teams as well. And so this, building this while working full time and doing undergrad law degree was in the most intense environment ever. And I thrived in this environment. I learned how to adapt, how to prioritize and how to kind of push things forward. Mm. But it was, it was helping these kids, seeing them on the pitch, you know, seeing them when they've scored a goal, run to their friends and, and be really happy, seeing them progress and, you know, grow up and um, do all these different things that really made me happy. Um, and so I, I, I knew that I had this entrepreneurial spirit inside me and that, and that kind of fed through my entire, my entire career to where I'm today, really. So I, I actually played football myself. Um, and when I was younger, I was really, really good. Um, I played for Julian Girls FC. But the problem is I couldn't carry on playing because my, my dad couldn't afford the monthly fee. Um, it's expensive to play football. So my dad just couldn't keep the cost. So I had to quit. Um, and I didn't realise until I got older that actually this this affected me. And I, I, I wanted to allow kids to be able to have this opportunity because playing football is what it makes me super happy um when I'm on the field I feel really really happy and then once setting up the club I realized that there were no female football teams in the area you know that were really accessible um that's very interesting and I I'm so glad we we touched on that because it sounds like there was a goal there to try and make something that was inaccessible accessible And, and in a way that's kind of what you're doing now with your business as well yeah it's true I also actually because Marty was deaf I allow deaf um kids to play in football and this is something that you know they're usually quite excluded and so as you say it it, it fed throughout my entire life I I, I really feel a, a need to help people who who don't have access to things that they, they should have access to and this fed through to when I became a lawyer and I was meeting all of these founders and they didn't have access to this powerful legal information that I had access to and it was just so easy for me to, to to feel like I could help them, but I couldn't because I was tied underneath this company, this law firm, where, you know, everything I do has to be through that law firm. Um, and I, I wanted I wanted to break free of that. I wanted to be able to help people and to be able to, you know, build relationships and, and help people actually overcome 
difficult parts, which is which is law. Law is boring. It is complicated and it is expensive. And those are the three things that people relate law to. And it doesn't have to be like that. Right? Mm. Interesting, because yeah, and I think it's it's also very very unusual for someone to start working at the age of eighteen, and you had pretty much a baptism of fire, as you said, trying to sell products and and trying to call call people, which is never easy. So, was there ever any temptation to carry on with that, or did you always know, okay, no, no, this is only kind of to pay the bills, and once I'm done studying, I'm definitely pursuing a career in law. That's a really interesting question. My first few years um, when I worked in the investment boutique firm were what really kicked off my entire life. They taught me so much that I didn't really understand. When you first, when you're 18 years old, you don't know etiquette in businesses. You don't know, you know, like passive aggression and what it means. You, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, what, you know, how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to wear. There's so much that you just don't understand. And, and, you know, not even finishing my degree and going into this world was super intense. And I was surrounded by all white men who had been super privileged backgrounds and who didn't, you know, didn't understand what it's like to be a woman, didn't understand what it's like to not be brought up in an environment where you've been given everything. And being the only woman in the team at the time when I first started, I was the only woman there. That was intense. I would receive emails from my managers that were inappropriate because it's banter. And it was it was a very toxic environment. I I knew that I could do more um, than that environment. I knew that I didn't. I never cared about my age. For me, it was always you can think I'm eighteen or you can think I'm thirty. I know who I am, and I will keep going until I get to where I'm going to be. I've always had that feeling, which is why my age has never been an issue for me, really. Yeah, and I almost wonder if that's something that gave you that confidence and, and courage to, you know, pursue something that's never been an easy job and task and it may seem like a lot of fun doing a startup and meeting with interesting people but I'm sure that's just uh on the outside and there's 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 been a lot that you've had to overcome to get to actually launching a new product yeah I guess the first thing that you need to overcome is your the fear in yourself for me it's the fear of achieving everything that you've ever dreamed of that is the biggest fear that I have and when you overcome the fact that you know you're always going to have this doubt you just have to, my, my, my favorite saying in the entire world is feel the fear and do it anyway, because we all, we all feel fear. We all go through this motion of, you know, can I do this? Am I worthy? You know, imposter syndrome, every single person on the planet has this feeling in some shape, way, shape or form, but you have to feel that fear and like, let it run through you and then just do it anyway. Because if you don't, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Mm, yeah, I heard someone um, that I know well once say something about the fear. There's a, the risk in doing something and the risk in not doing anything at all and the regrets that could come from from that. So how did you know it was time? Um, obviously, you've had this idea for a little while. You've tried a few different things. You, you, you qualified, you work for a very you know, big American firm. And then you said, that's enough. I'm going to do it my own way. So how did that happen? I guess it was it was all about the right timing for me and everything in, in my life came at the right time and an opportunity um, showed itself and that's when I knew I had to jump on that. And I've always, I have to say, I've always been very good at I'm an opportun- I'm like taking opportunities when, when, when they come and, you know, the right opportunities, not being afraid to take them, even though inside I am afraid, but, you know, the act of not being afraid, I've always done and said, you know what, I'll deal with that when it happens. And but it felt right. I trusted my gut instinct. 
and let's be honest, you know, it's it's all going to be an, an uphill journey, and it's it gets it gets hard every single day. But I know that there's a lot of people that can benefit from my help, and I know this. And I've always felt like a leader in my life. And, you know, I'm not afraid to take decisions. I'm not afraid to be the one who makes the decisions because no one, lot, most people don't really want to be the person that takes that decision. Responsibility. Responsibility, exactly. Um, but I, I, I am okay with that. And that, and this is only just this realization has only just happened. I'm okay with taking that responsibility for everyone else. Mm. Yes, because when you build a business, which is what you're doing now, eventually at the beginning, it's just you, but then you start to look after other people. So there is a huge responsibility in making sure that this, you know, is successful, not just for your own sake. I mean, I have um, a team of lawyers that work with me on a consultancy basis. And, you know, although they're consultants, I'm paying, you know, part of their livelihood. That is a responsibility. You know, I'm I'm responsible for continually providing work and income to them. Um, and you, you know, I always have a, I have a rule that, you know, I trust everyone once until they break my trust. So, you know, I, and some people might not agree with that. They say, well, you shouldn't trust everyone. I say, well, people deserve to have my trust at least once. And if they break it, then that's fine. I won't trust them again. And, but what that's meant is that, you know, some people to other people may come across as someone they don't want to speak to, or, you know, they judge them at first sight. But for me, I, I don't, you know, I'm very you know, open to speaking to anybody. You know, so, so even people that approach me on LinkedIn, I'm open to having chats. Um, mm. Whereas I know that some people can feel like it's, it's a blocker for a lot of people. But that has led, that has opened doors for me. Because mm. people may not expect, I've opened my my door and it's and it's really paid off in tenfold. So we've had, we've now built really great relationships. Yeah, this is what I was going to ask you. How has that worked out? And have you ever been disappointed by that life philosophy or come across someone taking advantage maybe of your goodwill 100% you do um, and this is why I have the rule you know for sure people take it and this is perhaps a naive um, realization although I, I do open the door to, to anyone who who, try, who asks but there is a sense of okay I'm not an idiot and there's only there's only so much information I'll provide there's only so much that I will do and so much trust you can give but people take advantage and um, for sure and that's and that's a shame. I you know I always believe that that humans are can be good people, but unfortunately that there, there is there is a bunch of <laughs> people who who are looking to take advantage. That always amazes me how people want to do that. You know because I I, I believe maybe I'm old fashioned, but I want to live my life on trust and and like trustworthy relationships. So that's why even with my clients, you know, I'm not looking for you know, a one-off client, I'm looking for a, a lifetime partner, someone that we can help with throughout the entire journey. So when they IPO or when they do something big, they remember us. And so it's all about relationships and trust for me. Yeah, you, you've mentioned about relationships a few times and, and you kind of smile when you when you say that. So I can see how important that's been for you and in and, and, and building this, this new business. But as I was listening, I was... Um, sitting there and contemplating a little bit when you said opening doors. So can you give us an example? Like how how can trust help us and, and being open to, as you said, opportunities coming up, how can that help you um, open those doors? Well, we were talking about um, the podcast that I'm, I did with Sonia. This is a, a very mm-hmm. good example. Um, we actually can, first- can you tell us who's Sonia? Just oh, in case someone doesn't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I recently did a podcast with Sonia Barlow and um, mm-hmm. Our first introductions were over LinkedIn, where um, she was looking for a venue to host her, her event for um, like-minded female females, 
and I reached out and said, um, hey, like, um, I think we can help you. Um, and I was working for Oric at the time. We then hosted an event of, you know, I think around 70 women. And I was a speaker on the panel and it was it was a, a really amazing experience. Um, and we are actually on uh, um, her media pamphlets now, which is nice. That was an example where, you know, you just speak to someone. Go for it. Go for mm. it. Everyone's a human. I don't believe that, you know, anyone's better than anyone. You know, we're all humans and we all, you know, we can have a conversation. And and so that's, that's, that's how I've always approached my life, to be honest with you. I was, I remember one of the partners in my old law firm said to me, I've never met someone as good at, as um, BD than you in business development. Because I've, I was always, I was, I've, I always loved when we would do events with clients <laughs> because I could go around and, and speak to everyone and find out a bit more about who they are and just you know, have great conversations because life is about great conversations. Like as humans, we, we, we want to connect. You know, we want to feel like we're part of something. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but I know it's a feeling that we all just want to connect with one another. And for some people, it's more difficult to connect. Um, but I also like to connect with people who find it difficult to connect with other people, like people mm. who have ADHD or people who have autism. Like I, I find there's a lot of people in workplaces who have this. I find that I can connect really well with people like that um, because they, like I like the way they think. It's it's just, it's really interesting. And they always, it can show you new ways about life that you didn't know. Yeah, and I, I did see something on, on that topic recently about actually embracing your uniqueness and thinking about, things such as neurodiversity as, as, as a plus rather than a minus, which traditionally has been the way to, to go about it. So I think that's very important to, to talk about. And I'm glad that you, you're open to it. Um, but yeah, no, I think back to your point about listening in conversations, which is part of what we, we're doing here now. I just felt with this project as well, that there's a need for people to to be listened to because in today's busy world, we do anything but listen to one another. We switch off the voices perhaps that we don't like to hear. And then it's very easy to just, um, you know, use your social networks or whatever it may be, devices to, to hide from, you know, face-to-face -face interaction or live yeah, exchanges. It's mm. very, very, very true. I think behind, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, all these big social networks, it's quite easy to just, you know, fall between the cracks and not poke your head up. Um, and that's why it's really important that, that we, we make the effort to reach out. You know, if you want extrovert, we shouldn't make the effort to – connect with people who might not feel like they can make that first move. If some people want to speak to you, but they just don't know how to say it, they, 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 but you need to find, I think we're all, we're all working different rhythms, but we can connect in some rhythms. And, you know, there's something about other people that you can find really interesting. You can just keep talking to them about that and they will open up. And that's what I really love about humans. Like everyone has something that makes them smile that you might not know until you start speaking to them. And, and you'll, and you'll talk to that person and you'll find a topic that just makes them, like the eye will twitch and it's like, okay, this is, this is what makes them happy. You know? Yeah. Well, well, that's another thing I read in a book recently, which was all about nobody is really boring. It's just that you don't want to listen to what they want to talk about. Wow. Yeah. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This, yeah. This is yeah. it. It's, and obviously you're on the other side, listening to me, but you know, I do love to be on the other side, listen to people. And I, I think one of my other skills is listening. And I think through listening, you can, you can really allow people to open up because sometimes people just want you to just listen. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll be able to really find some interesting things about people in the world. But how do you find, how do you grow a business and how do you find new opportunities? Yeah. I don't think there is a playbook for growing a business. I think that it is a lot of it is tenacity and, and, you know, 
the, the drive that you just you just don't stop oh you and what i mean is don't you know, run yourself into the wrong path but you keep going you pivot and you find what works it's like it's like a puzzle that you imagine you have your eyes closed and you can't see where the puzzle fits you keep going until you can put the puzzle in in the slot um, and i think a lot of it is about you know be genuine be a good person and make relationships um you know because you'll never know what information that person can provide you you know what what referral what you know or what potential client you can have from that person, or just, you know, they might just make you a bit happy that day. So for me, it's all about get yourself out into the industry that you're in and make relationships in the industry, because that's really how you grow a business for me. And get in front of your clients, speak to your clients. Um, you know, don't just sell to everyone. No one wants no one wants to be sold to. We've all been in groups or we've all been on calls or podcasts where, you know, someone's just selling the business the whole time. It's like, I don't want to hear about your business. I, I want to hear about kind of what change you're making or what change has happened in the industry or kind of talk a bit about yourself rather than sell me your product. No one wants that. Yeah, and I, I find from experience that doesn't usually tend to work as well as, you know, when you when you genuinely want to build a connection and, and have an interest in people. So what's next? Where do you hope this, this new company, or it's not that new anymore, but relatively new, um, and this journey will take you? And where would you like to see your business grow? For me, the ultimate goal is to be the startup that partners with all the VCs across UK, Europe and Middle East. And the reason for that is because I want startups to have start with the right legal documents and support so they build good companies. To to make sure that every startup isn't you know downloading templates, isn't doing it themselves. They have the right starting point because you will never know the mistakes you're making until those mistakes are made. And until you see the the results of those mistakes. We'll never know. It's you know the problem with with legal is it's like an invisible you know shield. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes until something comes up and your company folds because it's an issue that that, that costs you a hundred thousand pounds that you can't afford right now, and you either have to raise a bunch of money or or raise debt or close the company. And you and you just see issues like this happen all the time. Companies who made decisions three years ago that have to then pay for them in the future. So for me. To be able to help startups in UK, Europe, and, and Middle East get on the right foot, get the right legal documents that are are actually right for their business, and build great companies and have these long term relationships with these companies as they grow, and mm-hmm. to be that person that just like organises cool events, you know, to be the person who you know feeds back into into the ecosystem. There's so many people who you know perhaps don't live in London, perhaps live in like Manchester, Liverpool, you know, other Newcastle. They don't know what's happening down here. London is a great bubble and I'm really privileged to be part of the bubble, but there's so many people who don't have access to that. So that's really, that's something I'm looking into um, to make sure that, you know, across the country, people have support rather than just in, you know, UK M25 regions. What about small businesses? Is that something that you, maybe that are less service oriented, more products oriented? Is that some part of the market that you're interested in or someone that you can help as well potentially? Or is that very different from what you're doing? Yeah, so the way I see it is anybody who's looking to scale a business to raise any kind of financing, whether it's debt or equity, um, and in a regulated industry we can work with because you then care about getting the legal stuff right. Perhaps if you're, you know, a local business, you know, just working in like a cafe or, you know, hairdresser or something, legals might not be your, like your biggest priority. But for people kind of looking to, perhaps you want to build multiple hairdressers, then you start to think about this stuff and then 
you'd want to work with someone like us, basically. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about all those people now that I know that are starting something like, oh, maybe they should be, they should be speaking with you. So I think just to clarify that, and we did say you're not here to sell a product, and that's very much appreciated. But I, I still find it interesting how, maybe from a business perspective, how do you differentiate yourself? Do you have competition? What do you think you can do a bit differently, other than just obviously being more affordable than the traditional model? No, it's a really, really, really good point. The way I see the market right now, and this is obviously just my personal view, there's on one side, you have traditional law firms, you know, you know the type of law firms that I worked for. And then you have like a long, a little bit along where some law firms have adapted a bit and they've they've created new pricing models and they're a bit more funky. So kind of they've, they've moved away from the traditional law firm route, but they're still like a law firm. And then on the other end, you have, you know, these document automation site platforms, you have um, platforms who do it entirely through tech, built by usually um, tech people rather than lawyers. Where we want to sit is somewhere in the middle of that. You know, I don't believe that legal support should come, should be entirely tech focused. The reason for that is because law is an intricate, is there are nuances that you only know when you find out about the business. And so to completely generalize and do off the shelf packages for companies, I don't think works. Um, what we want to do is be somewhere in the middle of that. You know, it's it's bringing legal services online with lawyer input. It's like having the best of both worlds. By by plugging tech into a service, you can then save on cost but still have the expertise that you need. And so that's that's where we sit in it, and it's and that's how I see the market. Mm. Oh, it's good. I, it, it sounds like you found a little niche for yourself that you're going to make the most out of. And so far, um, it's going really well. And startups that we speak to always remind me that, you know, there's, they don't feel like there is device support out there for them, which is shocking because you would have thought that by now that this would have been, this issue would have been solved and startups would have support. There's a statistic that I saw the other day, you know, over 50% of startups don't speak to lawyers. They just do it themselves or they, you know, download a template. Most startups don't get legal support. That's an insane, that's an insane statistic that startups are not getting legal support that they should need just because it's mainly because of the cost you know mm-hmm. if, if if you're a startup and someone's trying to charge you you know two thousand pound for shareholders agreement <laughs> you're not going really to you're not going to prioritize that you'll say okay i'll take the risk um but there's ways that you can use in technology you know and and bring in legal services online be able to support and tell startups what they need to do and help them do it in the right way so they have the right legal support the documents are actually of a quality that will not mess them up down the line this is this is for me the most important thing and i want to go back a little bit to when you mentioned that you're hoping to build a platform around this or maybe even host conferences you know is that something that you want to do in the near term is that more of a long-term goal and have you already had some ideas just because you know someone might be listening to this and thinking oh actually why don't i connect with trish because i've been thinking about doing something similar of course so i um the conferences part is i want to build an ecosystem so one thing that we're looking to do soon is and start creating a community on slack where you know founders can come and have access to legal support if they need and to build out this community and that will then feed into the market of you know building conferences hosting hosting dinners with founders you know and and really plugging in and having actual support um 
which I, I don't think there's enough of right now, and especially in other regions other than London. Um, and then the platform side, yeah, we're working on a platform, and um, yeah, stay tuned for that. There's lots, there's lots of work being done in the background to to build the best platform that can help startups get to the next stage without having to spend lots of money on the legal support. Yes, and just for those who actually do want to stay tuned and are interested, where can people find you online? So I'm on LinkedIn um, and the the website is actually live if you want to check it out. It's just a landing page right now, but we'll be updating it with um, product launches and things as we as we grow. And um, it's www.sulehub.com um, or just on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm always open to chatting. And then just because we touched a little bit on, you were very honest, which I appreciate about having fears. And, and I think that's important because... Everybody has them and, and we, we can't pretend they're not there. We just have to accept them and, and move on. But if you look back at your journey, um, is there anything that, you know, we can use to maybe help those who are starting on that journey now? And is there any advice that, or any important lesson that you've learned along the way that you want to share? Yeah, definitely there's loads. But if I could give my um, top few, I would say no matter how much in the moment you might not feel like doing it take the time to do things that make you smile and happy that might sound really really general but this has been really important to me recently for me i i love spanish music so is if you know me I, i'm i love to dance i love to salsa I, like it makes me happy and when i'm listening to spanish music reggaeton <laughs> it makes me smile <laughs> and so one thing that i do when i'm sad is i i dance this is just if you know me this is what i do um, and I like to go to the gym. And for me, when I go to the gym, when I leave, I always feel better. There's not ever been a time that I felt worse when I've left the gym. But, re- but you know, a few months ago, I was not doing that. And I was like, I just need to work. I just need to work. I just need to work. I was running myself into the ground. And then I, and I just looked at myself and I said, Trish, just go to the gym. This is what you love. Go to the gym. Go for a dance You know, this evening. Go out with your friends. Go for a dance. I did this, of course I felt better. And then the next day I could tackle my work in a much more, you know, better outlook. And so and and I might if it means anything to anyone, I would say take really do take the time out to do something you love. Well, I love this because I feel so often when we ask people for advice, it's always about work harder, try harder, don't give up, which you know, it's all important advice, but I feel like so often I don't know if it's just us as women or that's just everyone today, maybe. But we just forget the most important thing, which is to have fun. And as you said, to remember why you started doing something. And if it's if it's not fun anymore, maybe, you know, that's the kind of moment when you have this aha uh-huh, and maybe it's time to change something. And maybe it's it's your career, maybe it's not, maybe the problem's somewhere else. Maybe you just haven't looked after yourself. They say if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. Mm. And, you know, I was saying to a friend the other day and she was like, how's, how's it going? Like, um, do you want to give up yet? And I said, you know what? You could not pay me enough to go back into private practice. Um, and I think it's because no matter how, how hard it gets, when you, and there's, there's statistics about this, but when you do something you love and you know it has impact and you can make money from doing that, that's the sweet spot you want to be in. You want mm-hmm. to do something that makes you smile that you love, make money from it while helping people this is where you can really excel because you know that what you're doing is not only having an impact, but you're enjoying doing it and it can sustain your living. You know, this is, this is where you want to be, I think. Oh, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I'd like to end the conversation on today, because I think that's such an important message that's going to resonate with many of our listeners. So thank you for reminding us to have a bit of fun and listen to reggaeton every once in a while. <laughs> you never chatting with you.
I had so many aha moments during my conversation with Trish, and it's really this feeling that motivates me to carry on with the podcast. At the end of this episode, this time I have a small favor to ask. If you like the show and you want to help it grow, please let me know what you like the most, or perhaps the least, so that I can continue to bring topics that are interesting and relevant. You can do this by messaging me directly on Spotify, on LinkedIn, or at the email address of the show, which is in the show notes. Next time, we have a special episode for International Women's Day, where I talk to Victoria Clapham about diversity in the financial industry and the importance of paying it forward once you've made it yourself. Thank you.